Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Jessica Fernandez with us. Now, Jessica is a John Maxwell team member and certified leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. She specializes in adding value to others through workshops, seminars, coaching, and keynote speaking. Her passion for education and leadership began many years ago when she realized the more she educated herself, the more opportunities for growth existed. She is not only changing her life, but creating a legacy for her family. She strives to be a great wife and role model for her children and is dedicated to impacting the community through education the way education has impacted and changed her life. Jessica holds a Doctorate of Philosophy in Instructional Design for Online Learning, a Master's of Education in Instructional Technology, and a Bachelor of Arts in Business Organizational Management. Her experience is multifaceted with roles including Director of Education, Instructional Designer, Higher Education Instructor, Faculty Trainer, and Business Education Teacher. Through these experiences, she has developed strong leadership, team building and problem solving skills that she uses to empower others in their leadership journey. So welcome, Dr. Jessica Fernandez. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Great. So we're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. Fantastic. So can you share with us a bit about your leadership journey and what you're doing now? So my leadership journey began, I don't want to say many, many, many years ago, but... Um, no, you're very young. You're ago. very young. <laughs> it really started at my local church. I was asked to teach youth class, Bible classes. So, you know, leading other people and young people especially was definitely a challenge. So being young and leading young people and then having to deal with older leaders at the church really made me realize how much I needed to learn about leadership. And that really ignited the passion uh, for education because I thought I love doing this. And I went back to college and I got my first degree was a, a bachelor's of arts in organizational management. And at that point I had two young children. And oh. so I really wanted to be home with them because right. you know how it is going to work and leaving your kids behind. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. And so my husband said, well, since you're home, you might as well go on and get your master's degree. And I did a year later. My kids were a little bit bigger at that point, and I decided to work, and I wanted to be a teacher. And so uh, I got my first teaching job, and I taught high school business for five years. That was such an amazing learning experience. Not all easy. Very difficult, in fact. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to know the truth about yourself, teach high school. Okay? Because you're <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. students telling you about yourself every single day. <laughs> right. And you have to be willing to listen because then Absolutely. you can grow. Exactly. And they're watching you. They are watching everything you do. They listen to everything you say. They Miss Fernandez, didn't you say last week that, right? And they are quick to hold you accountable, which is an amazing experience. And so through those years of teaching, 
uh, high school, I never lost my passion. My master's degree is in instructional technology. And mm. so I really wanted to be an instructional designer. But at that point, I needed teaching experience to be able to do that. An instructional designer is basically someone who designs online courses, curriculum training. Wonderful. Much needed, by the way. Absolutely. And so I just couldn't break into the field. I live in Florida and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So right next to me are orange groves and, and cow pastures. So, you know, I definitely wanted to do something in online education. And so I just kept applying at the community college. And the theme that you're going to hear in my message today is perseverance. And so I am that person that I will apply so many times that you'll eventually give me a job because you're thinking we would just better give her an opportunity or she's just going to never leave us alone. She won't so let yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, I'm that person, you know. Right. And so um, I got called by the community college probably a year after I started teaching. I, I kept calling. I kept talking to people who worked there and they gave me an opportunity to teach ESL. And so my master's degree is in technology. And I thought, you know what? I'm a teacher at heart. I can teach anything. Mm -hmm. And so I took it. And you and taught so high school so you can teach anything, really. Right. So, you know, I always say that if you have enough classroom management to handle 150 teenagers, you can handle any situation. And preschoolers, um, too, by the way. Honestly, high school students sometimes can act like preschoolers just right. in adult bodies. <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, I've met a couple of adults that can do that really yeah. well. Yes, I've taught faculty, too, so I completely <laughs> understand. <laughs> so it just really, truly has been an amazing ride. Again, my perseverance, I kept asking, I said, hey, do you guys have any online courses? And my boss said, you know, as a matter of fact, we're going to start teaching ESL online and we're looking for somebody with experience. And I said, hey, I'm your girl, you know, and right, so right. I started doing that and it kept opening up more opportunities. I got to teach for the University of Phoenix, American Military University, Indian River State College. And I just kept going. And, you know, if I saw an opportunity, I looked at the job description and I'm fantasizing, OK, how can I make this happen for myself? And it just kept going. And, and it's been amazing to have all different facets of experience in education. Now what I do is I design online courses for a university. I've been doing that for almost five years. So it's been very exciting. I got my PhD in instructional design for online learning. And I'm just really passionate about what I do because some people think, oh, I'm just designing an online course. But in reality, what you're doing is you're providing education to potentially people all over the world. And it's your hands that have been on that content, that piece of information. And it's just an amazing experience to be able to know that you are part of that. Right. And to engage students in a meaningful way takes a lot of thought because you're valuing the students. So you want to be able to do that. So that's awesome. Now, do you have your own business or your consultant? Right. I do consultant work and I've been doing speaking and coaching on leadership because of my background as an educator. I really believe that every person that you come in contact with you're influencing them and you're, you're providing something either positive or negative in their lives. You know, so I've been doing that, speaking and coaching and doing mastermind groups. And I'm just really excited about the things that I've been doing so far. There's such a connection between us. No wonder I've gravitated <laughs> to you. <laughs> That's wonderful. So if one of our listeners or several of our listeners wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? If somebody wanted to contact me, you can definitely contact me at www.johnmaxwellgroup.com dot com slash Jessica Fernandez. Wonderful. So we have, again, another connection. We're both John Maxwell people. I absolutely love it. I read my first John Maxwell book. When I was a youth leader at that church, things were just kind of going all different ways, not in good ways, right? I had no idea what I was doing. And my pastor said, why don't you read John Maxwell? And I did. And I, I began to devour 
um, leadership books. And it just taught me so much about myself personally. And, you know, in learning about yourself, you can definitely impact other people's lives in a positive way. Such a great opportunity to be able to have a mentor in a book, if that makes sense. Right. So I think a lot of times we don't have mentors. And I think especially as a female, a lot of people are not willing to invest in other people. But I just started devouring books. So I almost feel like me and John Maxwell are best friends. I know the feeling. And so, you know, that's something that to me, and we seem to be kindred spirits here, that everything rises and falls on leadership, and especially in education. And so speaking of leadership, how would you describe your leadership style? I would definitely describe it as a servant leader. You know, I am really about teaching others, empowering other people. Um, What can I do to help you? What can I do to make you better? And I think that attitude as a teacher, when I taught high school, I stopped teaching in 2011 and I still have students contacted me that were with me. And so they call me all the time. They ask me for advice. You know, Dr. Fernandez, you know, what do I do about this? Dr. Fernandez, thank you for investing in my life. Dr. Fernandez, I remember when you told me this. And so it really proves that, you know, when you take a little time and you invest in people, it pays off. That's great. Okay, so which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? The quote that speaks to me the most is a leader is great, not because of his or her power, but because of his or her ability to empower others. And so for me, that is an amazing quote. That is such a a powerful statement right there, because you can have the best title in the world. But if you're not doing something with that opportunity, if you're not investing in other people and people are not growing around you, then that's a reflection of your leadership. I think that you're a great leader when people are rising up above you and actually doing more than what you're doing at that moment. When you can see somebody grow in that way, you impact people everywhere you go, your job, your home with your kids, with your husband, your neighbors, the people at church, the people at the store. Leadership is reflected in everything that you do when you can impact somebody's life in a positive way. Right. So what would you tell a leader who's listening, who doesn't have that impact or doesn't feel they have that impact? Well, I think that you are most able to empower others when you are very secure about yourself. And there's something that I've told myself forever. What is meant for me is meant for me. And what is meant for you is meant for you. And at the end of the day, there is always going to be somebody that does something better than you. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can teach, but there's probably better teachers than me. But what I'm meant to do is what I'm meant to do. And and what you're meant to do is what you're meant to do. And there's only one person that can do that. If you are just secure about who you are as a person and what your role is, you're not going to be afraid to empower somebody else. Right. And, And you know what, Jessica, you said something about security, and that's hard to come by sometimes. And so how that impacts others is devastating. And and once we realize that, then we kind of move forward to helping change that or shift that. But I know that I've needed coaches in my life. Can you speak to that a little bit? Everybody needs somebody to look up to, to provide guidance. I think when you're a little bit younger, you see everything in a different light than when you're a little bit older. These last couple of years, I've really had an opportunity to reflect upon my life. And really, in my life, I really haven't had a lot of great examples of a good leader mm-hmm. or somebody who really has come into their own leadership style in an effective way. And so having the opportunity to look back on that, these last couple of years, I've actually thought about it in a different way. And instead of thinking about it, how it negatively impacted me, I started thinking about how it positively impacted me. I believe that everything happens for a reason, right? Right. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that there's lessons that you learn and you keep going through the same situations because there's something that you need to learn from it. It's kind of like, you know, when you keep picking up that same bad boyfriend, there's something you need to learn about this. You have to say, wait, hold on. Let exactly. me learn this so I don't have to go through this again. It, you're it, right. Exactly. You're absolutely right. So I kept having bad experiences with leaders that were insecure, that really didn't take the time to mentor me and really didn't see the potential that I had and were willing to develop that in me. And so I thought, what can I learn from this situation? Well, I can learn what not to do. And I can learn how to treat people with respect and kindness and how to demonstrate character in my everyday life and how to really see somebody and see their potential and really take the time to build a relationship with them and build them up. And so everything that I've ever wanted in a coach or a leader or a mentor, even though I really haven't had a lot of great experiences in that area, I know what I can do for somebody else Mm -hmm. because I know that I want to be the person that somebody was never for me. And I do that every day with my own kids, with people at church, with whoever is willing to listen to me, I will talk to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Great. I'm glad you're willing to talk to us. So (laughs) Jessica, can you tell us what type of leader are you inspired by and why? Again, I'm just inspired by people who are trustworthy. I really like people that are transparent. You know, I don't want to guess what you're thinking. I don't want to feel like this is a ploy or you're trying to trick me into something. You know, I really respect people that are just straightforward and that are just honest and truthful in their relationship with me. So that's the kind of leader that I try to be. I try to be transparent. I let people know that I'm not a genius, right? I make mistakes, but I will come back and I will be humble about it and I will admit those mistakes. And so that's the kind of leader that I am inspired by. Okay, great. Now, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, this is a good one. When I first started teaching, you know, you go in and you think that you want to change the world. And so I was that first teacher in this panic mode, right? You first started, you don't know what you're doing. You're kind of just trying to handle everything. You're trying to come into yourself. And so I was kind of in that mode, very frazzled. I just wasn't sure what I was doing and really didn't have the time management or the classroom management to be able to really come into myself. It had only been a couple of months and I was taking papers home and grading them. And at that point, my children were still little. And I was telling a veteran teacher that um, I was taking papers home and spending hours grading and trying to watch the kids and trying to manage everything at home. And she said, Jessica, I'm going to tell you something that a veteran teacher told me many years ago. And she said, you know, Jessica, there is nothing that important that you can't leave on your desk for the next morning. She goes, your home time should be your home time. And your school time should be your school time. And she said, your kids are little. You have to enjoy every moment with them because if you're not happy at home, you're not going to be happy in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that is advice that I instantly applied because she was absolutely right. If I was a brain surgeon, then yeah, it matters, right? I can't wait till tomorrow morning. But, you know, I'm an educator. And if the student gets the paper half a day later, what are they going to remember about me? That I graded their paper late or are they going to remember that I was kind to them and that I displayed character and that I was there for them and I listened to them and I respected them. So it really put things into perspective and it really taught me to focus on managing my time and really just appreciating the time with my kids. That was in 2006. So 10, 10, 11 years ago. And to this day, You know, when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm home, I'm home. I don't even think about work because the time with my family is just so short. If you want to be effective at work and enjoy your work, then work is work and and home is home. And that way you can keep a happy life. You know, that speaks to your learner's heart 
because that advice you took right away and I'm sure it went against everything you felt. And I think that also speaks to how you have developed a balance between work and home, which is where a lot of educational leaders crash and burn. We have a really hard time doing this. Thank you so much for sharing that advice with us. Um, Now, effective leadership is about teamwork. So what does it mean to have a good team and how would you build one? Well, in what I do now, everything is all about teamwork. You don't design a course by yourself, right? There's a lot of different roles and people that are involved in this process. And I believe the best team is honest and truthful with each other. And that doesn't mean that we have to do it in a rude way. Disagreements are actually good for a team, right? Mm -hmm. You grow from that, uh, the ability to collaborate with each other. And like I said, being able to trust each other really is the basis of, of any good team. If I trust what you're saying, even though I may not agree with it, I know that it's coming from a place of you want the best for this team. And I respect that. And that will make me think twice about my position on something because I'm trusting you as a person. And I think that if there's no trust, you can have the best idea in the world. But if I don't trust you, I'm not hearing that idea. Mm -hmm. So how would you develop trust in your team? I think your character really has to shine through. Your work ethic has to shine through. I really believe in be a person of your word. It's difficult sometimes, right? But be transparent. Um, Be a person that holds yourself accountable. And I think people honor that. And like I said, when you make a mistake, it's okay to say, hey, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I'm not perfect. I know for a fact, having a PhD now, it's a little different, right? Because people are like, oh, oh, but you have a PhD. You you should know that. How could you make that error? But uh, you know what I like to say is that the more education you get, the more you realize you don't know anything at all, right? (laughs) There's so much to know in the world. I cannot possibly know everything. And so it's okay not to be right. It's okay not to know something right? That is big because most of us have a hard time with being wrong. And that certainly can affect your relationships and it certainly can affect your work environment and your team. So um, that's absolutely right. You know, being a good leader, you apply that in every area of your life in being a parent, your job, your church and at home, my family, my team, you know, we work together, we do things together. And I tell my kids all the time and my husband, you can accomplish great things by yourself, but imagine how much more you can accomplish all of us together, supporting each other and helping each other out so that we can make all our dreams come true. And so it really is an important thing to trust each other. And uh, my kids are not going to listen to me if they don't trust me, right? If I break promises all the time and, and I'm not transparent, you know, we all make mistakes and just being humble and saying, Hey, I'm sorry. They really appreciate that. And they respect you. And trust me, they'll remember that more moment more than you buying them something. And you know, I know that that takes practice, right? The first time to eat crow. (laughs) Um, But once you see the connection between humility and wisdom, you start to want it more. But I do encourage always choose humility. And it's hard. And sometimes you need people with you to help you to choose humility, because our go to is really our, our pride and our ego. So that's great insight. Can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? Wow, I've had a lot of different challenges because like I said a little bit earlier, a lot of my experience have been with insecure leaders. But one challenge specifically was I was just very young and was beginning my walk in leadership and really just trying to find my way in becoming the person that I was trying to be. And so I really trusted this person. I trusted that they were going to guide me and lead me. They were educated and I wanted to be like that person. You know, I thought, wow, if they could get their master's degree, so can I, you know, and they were just really motivating me um, by the things that they had accomplished in their lives. 
Well, at that point, I had just moved to Florida, probably had only been in Florida maybe a year. And I had just come from New York. I was raised in the Bronx, uh, had lived in Long Island um, a couple of years. And so we have an accent, right? It's just the way it is. We talk really fast. We have an accent. And, you know, when you I'm first from moved, the Bronx, the, too, by the way, this is why we were getting along so great. <laughs> I, I was raised in Hunts Point. And so I came to Florida and it was a whole different environment here. Just to give you an example, I went to a store one day and I asked about the photo machine. I said, is the photo machine on? And she said, what? And I said, is the photo machine working? And she said, I'm sorry, I don't speak Spanish. And I thought, well, I'm speaking English. I mean, did that even sound like Spanish to you? I, I'm not even sure. But um, <laughs> it was odd. You know, when I was in New York, I never realized I had an accent because everybody talked just like me. Right. And so, you know, but when you go to a different state and you're different, right, something that didn't bother me before began to bother me. And that wasn't the only time that that people had made comments about the way that I spoke. And so it really started giving me just a complex about the way I spoke. And so this person who I really respected made a comment about the way that I spoke as well. He said, you know, you're never going to be successful because of the way you speak. He actually used the words, you speak too ghetto. And, you know, I thought it was devastating, that comment. It was so hurtful to this day i keep thinking what does that mean even you know so, <laughs> so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but all i know is that it gave me such a complex and it put so much fear in my life god knows exactly what he does and so in the area where this person tried to knock me down is exactly what i do today i speak for a living right, right. i teach i speak and so you know that could have been detrimental to my career do you know that till this day before I have a speaking engagement, I can feel the fear coming over my life and I actually have to sit there and go, I've been called to do this, I'm prepared to do this, I've worked hard to be here and God has allowed me the opportunity to be here. And so you just don't realize how you, know, you can impact someone's life in a negative way by one statement, something that's haunted me for years. But you know what, God is good and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, you remind me of someone who said that he made his mess his message because this very challenging situation helped you to grow in different areas. And so I'm sure this leader didn't even realize the impact that that had and how important are the words that we choose. Absolutely. So it's important that we really reflect on what we say and how we value people. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have experienced something like that where they've been devastated by words. And also educators, we have to really be careful, right? What we say to our kids because it can Absolutely. impact them. And also we can make mistakes in what we say, but, you know, just to really train ourselves to season our words with salt is important. So can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the lives of those around you. I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I'm originally from New York and I had this great idea after high school and I decided that, you know, I'll try college for a little bit and you know, if I don't like it, then I'll, I'm going to go and get a good job. And so I graduated high school. I tried college. I didn't like it and I actually failed out. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to get a good job. And so I applied for the post office test. And I got a job at the post office. I delivered mail. A good job. And a very good job. I was frozen half the time. I was chased by dogs many times. And um, What is it about it? Dogs hate postal workers. I, I have I no idea. I don't understand. 
<laughs> but not only did I attract crazy dogs, I attract sketchy people too that would follow me while I was delivering mail. Right. And so I just decided that this wasn't for me. And I decided going back to college, which is so much easier than this, even though I like talking to people and I like being out there and everything. And so I went back to school and we had just moved to Florida. I quit my job. My husband got a transfer. She still works at the post office to this day. Uh, and it was just such a whole new experience. In New York, I was making, you know, a decent amount of money. In Florida, it just wasn't that way. You, you needed to have an education in order to make decent money. I had two small children. And so my husband said, you know, I think it's best. We're going to get the most return on investment if you go back to school and you get your degree because I can get my degree, but I'm still going to make the same amount of money. If you go back and get your degree, we could really impact our family. Right. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so I think when you have kids, right, you have more of a motivation because, you know, you have these two little faces that are looking at you and they're like, hmm, you know, I just didn't want to ask my kids to do something that I was unwilling to do myself. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to school and I took some online courses and I just kept going and I kept going. And I kept going. I got my AA degree and I was just so excited. I was motivated and I didn't want to stop because I was addicted to that feeling of accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And so a year later, I worked really hard. I doubled up and I got my bachelor's degree. Even more than getting my PhD, that for me was my biggest success because this was the first time in my life that I did something. I worked hard. I, I persevered. I did everything I needed to do to make it happen. My family was there to help me. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. I had my gown on and I just felt like wow. I can't believe I did it. As the first person in my family to graduate college, you know, I turned around and I could see my children's faces and they were waving at me and they said, mommy, 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 that's my mommy. Oh. And to this day, it just warmed my heart so much. And I just knew that I not only made a change for myself, but I was changing my family as well. And that not only was I changing my family, but I was building a legacy for them. And I was setting an expectation and I was showing them that with hard work and dedication, anything is possible. And it sounds really cheesy, right? Yeah, you can do anything. But in my life, I really can say that I've lived the American dream. I've gone out there. I've taken advantage of opportunities. I've worked hard and I've been able to accomplish. And my kids have seen that. And so for me, that has been the greatest success. Getting my first teaching job, I never in a million years would have thought it really is possible. You know, Jessica, that's very honorable because as a leader, um, even though at that time you didn't consider yourself a leader probably, right? But as a leader, you, you were so visionary. Um, the fact that you're thinking about your kids and the example that you're setting for them, also you're thinking about your legacy. I mean, as a young person to think about that, that's powerful. And so I want to really honor you because that's you. what a great leader does. And so thank you for sharing that. Now, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? That's a really good question because I think that culture is so important. I think culture can make or break you, can make or break an organization as well. And unfortunately, you know, I've worked in a lot of different places with terrible culture, places where they micromanage, they're disrespectful, they don't treat people kindly, they don't value everybody's role in an organization. Everybody has a role big or small, everybody's important. Every role is important. I've worked at schools where faculty are deemed as the highest, the best, and then the cleaning people are disrespected. And everybody has a role in creating an environment conducive for learning, creating a good, healthy environment. And so what I would say to a new leader is it's hard, but be the change that you expect. Display character. It's easy to get sucked into that negativity of a bad culture. 
I've been there. I've done that. I've gotten sucked in and it is not a happy place to be. And what happens is that that negativity, you bring it home as well. And you don't realize that you're doing it. I had worked in an institution and it was so negative and I didn't realize how negative I was until I left that institution and walked away from it. And then I had to go back and apologize to my family. And I said, you know, I am so sorry Hmm. because a lot of times I didn't realize that maybe I was bringing that home or maybe I took something out on you that I wasn't supposed to because I was upset about what happened during the day. And I really apologize for maybe not listening to you because I was too busy complaining about something that happened at work that day. And so I would say, be the change, display character, and really protect your mind, your ears, your mouth, and set yourself apart from everybody else. And you could really be the change. Thank you so much for that, because I know that a lot of our listeners have experienced that. And it's difficult to maneuver and manage what to do in that situation. But you've given us really great insight. So thank you for that. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? Oh, wow. There's a lot of things. I know I was making a list here of all the things that I'm tinkering with. So, you know, I think that if you want to grow as a person, you have to be a person that likes to learn. That's just the reality of it. Even when I was younger, I remember dabbling in everything, reading all different types of books and magazines. We didn't have the internet as prevalent as we do now. So I was the kid that was in the library. I was the kid that always had overdue books because I wanted to keep it longer. And, you know, it's really just being a person that's always inquisitive. We have the resources to answer any question potentially that we have. When my kids say, oh, I wonder what giraffes eat. I don't know. Let's see. It's so wonderful that you can Google it now or you can ask Echo. It really is amazing. It's like a life learner's dream, right? Right, right, right? And so just learning about everything that you don't know about, learning about things that you are just so passionate about. That's what I've done. I've picked themes in my life that I really enjoy and I've ran with it. And I do that every day. I'm learning something new. So I love online courses and I love the internet. And so I sign up for Udemy courses. Right now I'm learning how to code. I'm learning uh, multimedia design. I'm always learning some type of technology tool and of course leadership, right? right? So I'm constantly reading my leadership books. I'm reading blogs and podcasts. Of course. Those are the best ones. You know, I'm constantly trying to learn and grow and not because I have to, not because I'm obligated, just because I've seen my own personal growth in being inquisitive and just knowing what's out there in the world. And we have all these resources to do that now. I mean, you can think, you can say, I wonder if, and boom, if you have an echo, it'll give you the answers. That's pretty awesome. And then it it prompts another question. You're like, oh, that's odd. What about this? It just keeps going. It's just such an amazing thing. Yeah. So Jessica, can you tell us what you've read that our listeners should read and why? Well, I just read The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. And this book is a really easy read. It talks about the impact of helping other people's dreams come to reality. And this book is amazing because it talks about a cleaning company. They had high turnover. Well, they couldn't figure out how they could lower the turnover. When they realized that helping others accomplish their dreams, whether it was buying a house, buying a new car, learning English, getting a degree, getting a high school diploma, whatever that dream was, the people stayed because they valued what the company was inputting into their lives. And so, yes, they were cleaning toilets at night, but during the day they were accomplishing their dreams for not only themselves, but for their family members. And so the book talks about when all the people's dreams were accomplished in accomplishing their dreams, they were preparing them for the next level in their lives because everybody has to grow. And so they were willing to let them go once they grew to that level 
that they outgrew the company and they were happy to do that. That was turnover. That was great turnover because this person was able to move forward and now impact the lives of other people in their lives. And so it's just really a great testimony to how much we can invest in other people and how impacting that really is and how much they'll respect you for honoring their dreams. Because we all have dreams, big or small. It could be as big as accomplishing a PhD. It could be as big as I want to get my GED. I want to buy a new car. I want to buy a house. You know, I want to learn how to skydive. I want to learn how to anything, right? right? Now I'm on this new kick. I want to learn how to sew. There's a seamstress at my church. So I have my eyes set on her. Right. Because I'm like, she's somebody that can help me accomplish my dream of of sewing my first garment. Hopefully I don't sew my finger off. We don't want you to do that. So can I ask you a question? Because this is very intriguing to me. And I'm sure that people that are listening are wondering about this organization in this book, Dream Managers, how this cleaning organization, they were losing people. So they decided to invest in other people's dreams. And those people grew and they probably left the organization. So how did that help the organization? Because it's so counterintuitive, right? If you're in my organization and my organization, there's attrition, people are leaving, right? And that happens a lot in education. So there's a high turnover in some areas. And as a leader, I'm thinking, how can I keep them? I'm not thinking, how can I help them accomplish their dreams so they can grow and move on? That's counterintuitive. So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I think it's about the culture, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody wants to feel valued. Everybody wants to feel that they are contributing something positive to an organization. I can do the best work in the world at my job. And if I come home and everything's in disarray because I can't afford to pay for the light bill and I can't afford to do whatever it is that I'm trying to do, there's a disconnect there. And what ends up happening is that you become, in essence, bitter about your situation at your job. And so I think investing in other people helps build that respect and helps build a culture of growth. And in building a culture of growth, you're empowering people to be the best people that they can be. That is such a powerful thing because like I said, everybody wants to feel that they have a role. Everybody wants to feel that they're accomplishing something. And so when you can do that, you're empowering people and they feel great about it. I like to say we have two types of teachers. We have the teachers that are just phenomenal. I mean, they are just born to do this. And then we have the teachers that are kind of a little bitter, right? They're kind of been doing it for many years. They feel defeated. And why do people leave? You know, they burn out because they feel like they can't move forward because they're not making a positive impact. And so if we took those negative teachers and we invested in them and we said, what are your dreams and aspirations, right? Because not everybody's dreams and aspirations have to do with their career. And we can look at their lives in a comprehensive way and say, If I can teach you about finances so that you could have that dream vacation that you've been wanting to have, and you actually had that dream vacation, that person would come back and feel completely empowered, fulfilled that they actually got to accomplish a dream. And they would be so thankful to you because you helped them do that. You gave them the tools necessary to do that. But if we just have people come in and just do their jobs without any support or encouragement or motivation, then that's going to reflect on the job as well. And I imagine that if you empower them and and help them to accomplish their dream, they'll be less likely to want to leave. Or if they do leave, they will send people your way who are extremely valuable. And it just helps that culture to grow, that organization to grow. At the beginning, it seems counterintuitive, but it makes sense um, in the long run. So that's a vision that leaders should grab onto and practice. Dream managers. Okay, anything else? 
Another book that I read was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which I think is great. It's hilarious. They give scenarios, uh, different characters in the book. And of course, we all know somebody like someone that they're describing in the book. You know, you have the negative Nelly. You have, you know, the person that every time you have a great idea, they're like, no, that's not a great idea. Right. Or you have the person that never does anything wrong. Or you have the person that always throws everybody else under the bus. It's just a great book. It teaches you how to have a good team Mm -hmm. and how to recognize when your team is dysfunctional. Mm, Good. Sometimes we need that. Right. So tell us, what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities you have? If you're a lifelong learner, we have a lot of different things going on all at one time, right? And it's like you said a little bit earlier, it's one life. Mm -hmm. And so basically what I do is just a simple thing that I've always done. I just write everything down, big or small, on one sheet. It could be, I need to defrost the meat. I need (laughs) to review that article for that journal. I need to uh, do the interview for the podcast. I need to wash the clothes, whatever it might be. Because we all have duties, whether they're you know, mommy duties, whether they're wife duties, whether they're work duties or hobbies, whatever. And the reason why I do this, and this actually came from my dad, because my dad said to me, Jessica, you have a lot of things going on in your head, right? And the reason why you're not sleeping well is because you have a lot of things going on in your head. You need to get it out on paper and know that that paper is there when you get back to it in an hour or two hours. And so in the morning, it's going to be there. Get it out of your head put it down on paper and then leave it there until you're ready to address it again. That's be wise because you won't be anxious about it. Right. Because what happens is when you know you have 10 things to do, you don't want to forget the 10 things. And so you're trying to go to sleep at night or you're trying to enjoy your family or you're at the movie theater with your kids and you're like, oh, when I get home, I better start that article or I better answer those questions or I better send that email. And you don't want to do that. You want to be present in every moment that you have. If you're with your kids, you you want to be with your kids and you want to listen to them because you don't know what crazy thing is going to come out their mouth that you have to address, right? (laughs) Right. And so, and And you need to be present for that. You need to be present because sometimes I'm not paying attention to them. And then my daughter's like, oh my gosh, mom, something happened with this girl at school. And I'm like, what? You know, and and so you, you have to listen to what they're telling you, right? It's just a simple thing. And then in the morning time, I wake up, I have my list. I kind of plan my day, prioritize it. These are the most important things I have to do first. And then I just keep it moving. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be anything. It just Mm. has to be on paper. Great. So you talk about your kids a lot. Oh, yeah. See, my daughter's 15 and my son is 17. And they are such lovely children. They really are. I have no complaints. I tell my husband, if our biggest complaint is that we come home and my son forgot to wash the dishes. We're good. Good, right? (laughs) education is such an important thing. And I would say this as a high school teacher, it really taught me how to be a better parent. The best students that I had were the students who spent the most time with their parents. I'm not saying that they were perfect. Every kid can be disrespectful, right? But you could tell the kids who were disrespectful and then came back to you 15 minutes later. I'm sorry, Ms. Fernandez. I didn't mean to say that to you. And these were the kids that came back from the summer and they'd say, Ms. Fernandez, I went on this wonderful trip with my mom. Or I had a kid one time who said, Ms. Fernandez, me and my dad built a house over the summer. We did this fishing trip, you know, and you could see the difference in their character. And so I said to myself, I want to raise really good kids. Mm -hmm. And so I realized the secret was spending as much time with them as possible and having it that they want to actually spend time with you. And they want to spend time with you when you listen to them, when you're there for them, when you're present. I have a wonderful opportunity now that I get to work from home. I know a lot of people are like, why would you want to do that? Your kids are so big already. This is a critical time. This is the moment where they have to know that somebody's watching them 
or they're going to go down the wrong path. And again, this is where your leadership is displayed. You know, what's most important right now? Is it going out there and having this amazing career or is it impacting the people that need the most impacting right now? They need me right at this moment to be a good leader in their lives and to show the character that I'm expecting them to demonstrate. And so they're wonderful. They play instruments. My daughter plays soccer. And mm-hmm. so in the afternoon times, it's very loud here with trumpets playing and saxophones <laughs> and, and dogs barking and, you know, me going, I'm on a conference call. It's, yeah. it's, it's an amazing thing. Oh, great. Thank you so much for sharing that. It certainly is impacting me because I have a 13 year old and what you're saying really is resonating with me. So thank you so much for that. We have one more question. So if you can go back in time, Jessica, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? That was a rough one because I was so lost (laughs) when I was younger. What I would say is what I kind of been saying throughout this interview is, you know, everything you do at home, at church, at work, at the grocery store, with your neighbors, in your mommy groups, wherever you are, it's about influencing others. And we really have a choice. We can choose to influence in a positive way or we can choose to influence in a negative way. But ultimately, you choose to make a positive impact on someone's life. Even when I was in mommy groups, I would talk to the other young moms about me going to school and I have my textbooks in my baby bag and they would see me doing that. And then they'd ask me, oh, are you going back to school? Yes. And I'd say, why don't you do that as well? You know, I'm taking these online courses and I could still be at home with my kids and I could still do everything at home and get my education as well. So in every big, small way, you are impacting somebody's life. Right. It's just important to make a choice to be a positive impact. So Jessica, I want to thank you for adding value, not just to me, but to our listeners. No problem. It's my pleasure. Great. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time. Bye.